Turn with me in your Bible. We will read together for the message this morning. For Mark chapter 1 and verse 38 through 44. Mark chapter 1 verse 38. The Lord Jesus speaks, and he says, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Judea, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for testimony unto them. Before we look at that passage, please sing with me again. Turn in your hymnal, page 422. Stand with me while we sing 422. Supplies and drive 
our wants away. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. I have prepared for this morning the next message from our studies in Judges chapter 13. But as you can see, I have parted again from that text to take up yet another, this time, from the record of the gospel in the hands of Mark. Mark chapter 1. I do not need to explain to you that I have, do and have always differentiated between a sermon and a message. I said I have prepared the sermon for Judges 14, but I have a message from Mark chapter 1. Those of you who know me best know well how much I love that word, gospel. I've always loved that the blessed sound of that holy word, gospel. But only because of that holy message, which is denominated by its use in the scriptures. I love to hear anyone speak of the gospel. This gospel is the message of deliverance. This chapter in Mark, this first chapter, one of Mark, involves itself, the whole chapter involves itself, with the theme of deliverance. The deliverance of sinners from the clutches of Satan. Verse 4 and 5 of the chapter tells us that this deliverance involves repentance and confession of sin. Verse 8 of the chapter tells us that this deliverance necessitates the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the first case of deliverance comes in verses 23 through 26 in which one who is possessed with a demon is delivered at the command of Christ only after being torn by the demon first. The second case of deliverance comes in verse 30 and 31 and involves Simon's mother-in-law. Jesus came to her. And delivered her also. The third account in verse 32 involved many who were diseased and demonized. The fourth case of deliverance in verse 39 is on the next day and it again involved many. And then here in this fifth instance, verse 40 through 45, which we shall consider, there is deliverance involved with leprosy, that biblical type of sin. And it is only in this last case in this chapter and record of deliverances, it's only in this last case that the private conversation with the Savior is recorded. In that conversation is revealed the great truths of salvation, not only of this man, but of all sinners at all times. If I may say it this way, in this conversation is revealed the great truths of the gospel. Just for a brief time this morning, I would have you to consider the great truths that are set forth in this simple 
record, this gospel record. You don't need that I should school you in the fact that all of our Lord's earthly works, all of his miracles were intended not merely for their humanitarian value, though such works of humanitarianism are of great value, but his works were designed to a much higher aim than mere humanitarianism. That is, they were designed to declare his infinite power and Godhead as verse 38 of our text clearly tells us, he said that I may preach there also for therefore came I forth. Not only verse 38 of our text, but Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 clearly declares and sets forth this blessed doctrine of the infinite wisdom and glorious design in God's design of salvation for sinners. And so then we look together at this particular incident for those gospel truths wrapped up in the record. I would give to you, first of all, number one, I would have you to look at the disease of leprosy. The disease of leprosy. This loathsome, vile, incurable, infectious, putrid disease. This horrid disease in these times was a death sentence of the most revolting kind. Its work in the body is literally a living death, rotting the flesh off of living bones. Putrid, loathsome. And here is our first gospel truth revealed to us looking at the leprosy. What a near perfect type this disease is of the sin of our hearts. What a type of sin. What a gospel truth does this disease set before us. In the golden oratory of the late Dr. R.G. Lee, he said sin, taking up this subject, sin is the darkest, saddest fact in God's universe. Tragedy back of every tragedy. Sin is folly, disorder, devastation, death. Sin is an opiate in the will, a frenzy in the imagination, a madness in the brain, a poison in the heart. It is the intolerable burden of the soul that's destined to live forever. It's a black darkness that infects man's whole moral being. The sum of all terror, all horror, all cruelty. By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So it sent death passed upon all men for that all have sin. It is a contagion of universal scope. Greedy as worms, merciless as an octopus, Relentless as a serpent, porpoise as a viper, sin is no disagreeable hindrance to the smooth ongoing of social machinery that the psychologists call it. It is no upward stumble in man's progress as the sociologists call it. It is no skin wound, but it is a fatal mischief of the heart. No light discord, not here but a thunderbolt that crashes the organ into splinters and leaves it without shape or tone. A death's head set amid life's feast. 
A dry desert breath that drinks up everything. That's what sin is. And sin identifies itself, however, with beauty. Not as a leper in sackcloth does it first come crying unclean, but with the glories of a rainbow it often approaches. Not as a locust, but as a butterfly. Not as a hornet, but as a hummingbee it often appears. Not with the vulture's filthy beak and blood-fouled feathers, but with a peacock's train it comes to us. It's a lie. It's heinous. It's a leprosy. It usually doesn't show its heinous leprosy until it's too late. Oh, look with me for just one moment at the leprosy. Number one, it resulted in social and societal rejection. Society, can I just say it? Society, society has been in disarray and disorder ever since sin reared its head in the garden. Sin has resulted in societal rejection. Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 42, listen to this word. And if there be in the bald head or bald forehead a white reddish sore, it's a leprosy sprung up in his head, bald head or his bald forehead, then the priest shall look upon it. Behold, I'm in, I'm in Leviticus 13, verse 43. Then the priest shall look upon it. Behold, if the rising of the sore be white, reddish in his bald head or in his bald forehead, as the leprosy appeareth in the skin of the flesh, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, Unclean! Unclean! And the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone without the cow shall his habitation be. I said this leprosy results in a societal rejection. Put him out. Put him outside. Put him out of the camp. Tell him to walk everywhere with his upper lip covered, his body covered with a robe and crying out, Unclean! Unclean! Oh, what a damning condemnation is this. What a damning condemnation is this wretched leprosy outside Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that are doing his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city for without are dogs. Murderers, idolaters, whosoever loveth and maketh alive. Oh, listen, the Lamb of God, the Alpha and Omega, has made some blessed with opportunity, blessed with right in His righteousness to go in at the gates of the city. They can go inside, but outside are dogs. Dogs. Oh, I won't turn to it for sake of time, but in Exodus 29 verse 14, you find out in the sacrifices of Israel that the flesh of the bullock was to be carried without the camp because it had been made a sin offering. It took on symbolically the sin and so the flesh of that creature had to be carried outside of the camp. Find out in Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 11 that it was burnt with fire outside the tent. 
Oh, in Numbers chapter 5, every leper was to be put outside the camp. And just so you don't miss the gospel significance of that act, the reason why it must be put outside the camp is given in verse 3 of that chapter because the Lord said it will not be in the midst whereof I dwell. It must not be where I dwell. Outside the camp. Numbers chapter 5 and verse 3. Oh, can I say it again? There is societal rejection in this wretched thing, leprosy. What a graphic symbol of sin. But secondly, not only is it result in a societal and social rejection, but it results in spiritual defilement. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament Hebrew not only suffered a social rejection, but he suffered a ceremonial separation, even from the means of grace. Do you hear me? I said he's rejected even from the means of grace. Again, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children, sorry, Numbers, Numbers, chapter 5 and verse 1. Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp, put out of the camp, put out of the camp, every leper, and every one that hath an issue, and whosoever defile by the dead, both male and female, shall ye put out without the camp, shall ye put them, that they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. Put them out. Put them out. Put them out. Put them out. And need I tell you this morning that outside the camp, they're outside the reach of all access to the worship of God. They're outside the reach of the atoning sacrifices there. They're outside the priestly benefits and all heavenly hope. They're outside, cut off from every means of grace. Cut off. Oh, can I tell you this morning, the sinner can't even come. He can't even come for mercy without a blood sacrifice and a priestly cleansing. He can't even come back to the means of grace. <laughs> Amen. That ought to take care of your doctrine of atonement. Brother, the sinner can't even come. He's not even have access to the means. He doesn't have any grace at all unless God cleanse him and furnish him with a priest. What a picture. What a picture is this wretched leprosy. What a gospel picture is in this. Look at the leprosy. Oh, you know well the doctrine that's expounded in Romans chapter 3. In verse 10, as it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues they've used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, the way of peace. They've not known there's no fear of God before their eyes. They're leprous. Oh yes, in Titus chapter 1 verse 15 says, Under the pure, all are pure. All things are pure. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Nothing pure. Nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Oh, you're familiar, I know, 
with the words from the prophet Isaiah when he says those words in chapter 1 verse 5 and 6 why should you be stricken anymore you will revolt more and more the whole head is sick the whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot even under the head there's no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores what is he describing here he's describing the leper Comparing it to the sin of Israel. He said they're not closed. They've not been closed. Neither bound up. Neither mollified. Oh what a picture this morning. Look at the leprosy with me. And see the gospel doctrines. I could go on all day. The leprosy. Oh this man's condition. Can I tell you that the principal flaw in our modern pulpits is that they've lost this truth of the fatal flaw. Sin. I wonder how many pulpits this morning will sin even be mentioned. Sin. Look at the leper. Leprosy. Oh, look at the leprosy. All oh, the gospel doctrines that's in this picture of leprosy. But I give you secondly this morning, I'd have you to look at the, not only the, the disease of leprosy, but look at the distress of the leper. All oh, the distress of the leper. The picture that the scripture has painted. It would appear that we could close our sermon here, having looked at the leprosy, having described it only in the small time I've given to it and the little bit of space I've given and the few scriptures I've chosen to point it out to you. Having looked just at that, it would seem that we could just close our sermon right here. And raise an epitaph over the mounds of all humanity. And on that stone would be engraved the words, Dead, doomed, damned. But the record doesn't stop there. In verse 40 and 41 we read these words. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me come. And Jesus moved with compassion put forth his hand and touched him. Touched the leper. Saith to him, I will be thou clean. So let us look for just a moment at the leper. Just here in the narrative, oh, I can just hear my Armenian friends saying, Oh, you see there? See there? This sinner came to Jesus of his own accord. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, indeed. He did. Oh, I gladly confess that the sinner is made willing in the day of his power. Psalm 110 and verse 3. He's never drug anybody kicking and screaming off the glory. Oh, I freely admit he came to Jesus, but the leper came only because Christ had already come to him. Read verse 38. Let us go into the next town. 
Oh, long before the leper had any opportunity of coming to him, Jesus had come to the leper. Hallelujah. Christ had given him access. You see, the Lord Jesus could have been anywhere, but he was not. He was here by his own appointment. <laughs> Oh, can I tell you this principle? Never does it fail to be true that anywhere we see the grace of God working in a sinner's heart, you'll trace its source back to this, that God set about first to work grace in him. Christ came to him. Hey, hallelujah. Christ came. Christ came. Christ came. Let's go <laughs> to another city. Oh, yes. First John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. Tis not that I did choose thee for Lord that could not. This heart would still refuse me. Hast thou not chosen me? Oh, he came. He came. Let us go. Let us go to another city. He came to me. But now what is the gospel truth? What is the gospel application that I spoke so much about in my introduction as we look at the leper. My second point, well, just to name a couple, I give you this. Notice, as we look at the leper, that he came acknowledging his condition. I went to the doctor the other day, <laughs> yesterday, day before yesterday, And I described my condition. I said, I think I might have COVID. Turns out I didn't. I was tested negative. But I said to the doctor, I think I might have COVID. Because that's all I knew. But when this leper came to the Lord Jesus, he didn't come and say, I think I might have leprosy. Oh, no. He knew he had leprosy. And he acknowledged it. Because he came to the Lord and he said, if you will, you can heal me. This sinner came acknowledging his condition. Oh, God's Holy Spirit in the gospel will throw the sinner down. He fell down kneeling. God in the gospel will throw the sinner down off his foolish pedestal of self-pride and self-sufficiency and throw him down at the feet of majesty pleading for mercy. This leper lays no claim either on his own merits nor even a claim on the Lord's mercy. All he claimed was his sovereign right. Did you get it? He didn't even lay claim on mercy. He just said, if you will, you can. Oh, let me say that again. This leper laid no claim either to his own merits nor even on the Lord's mercy, but only on his sovereign Will. Wilt, if thou wilt, comes from a Greek word. The base root of that word means simply to choose for oneself. <laughs> well, says this, I'm plagued. I am 
going to die. I'm destroyed. I'm eaten alive with this leprosy. But if you just chose for yourself, you can help me. Thou canst, he said. If thou wilt, thou canst. And there's another wonderful word, dunamahi, from which we get the word dynamite. You've got the power. You've got the power. And then in verse 41, our Lord says, I will. <laughs> oh, literally, most literally. I studied that word up and back and forward and all around. Most literally it could be translated, I am resolved by my own determination. Hallelujah. Yeah, glory. I'm resolved by my own determination. <laughs> hey, hallelujah. That's salvation. And no danger of that failing. If thou wilt choose for yourself, you have the power. And he responds, I'll tell you, I am resolved by my own determination to do this. Hallelujah. Oh, this sinner, like that one in Matthew chapter 15, I'm, I'm trying to cover this point for you, that he comes acknowledging his state. You remember that sinner in Matthew 15 verse 27? Where the Lord says to them, it's not fit to give bread to the dogs. And in verse 27 of that chapter, that poor sinner acknowledges it and says, Yay, Lord, true. But even the dogs get the crumbs and fall from the master's table. Oh, he didn't say, Oh, my goodness, Lord, that's a bit harsh. I don't really think I fit that description. No, no. No, that sinner said truth, Lord. Truth, Lord. It said truth. Oh, the sinner by the work of the operation of God's Holy Spirit will be brought to acknowledge their condition. Truth, Lord. But secondly, as we view the leper, I'd point to you the fact that he came petitioning for mercy. That's why he's here. That's why he's here. He came to ask the Lord for mercy. He came. Can I say it this way? And I'm not reading it into the text. I'm reading what it says in verse 40. He came begging. He came begging. Oh, the leper came to him beseeching, kneeling down, begging. Do you know Matthew chapter 5 and that beatitude tells us blessings are the mourners. You know what that word is? Beggars. Beggars. Oh, yes. Paul admonishes us in Romans chapter 9. And verse 16. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. He's begging for mercy. Oh, poor sinner this morning. Can I just plead with you today to come? Can I plead with you from the example of this leper? To come. Come and plead. Oh, this leper came. And you know what he found out? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Hallelujah. If you can ever get your heart into a posture of a beggar, God can hear that cry. But now, I must hasten. We've looked at the disease of leprosy and found the gospel truths there.
we have looked at the leprosy and what a heart-sickening view it is. We've looked at the disease of leprosy. We've looked at the distress of the leper and what a pathetic and pitiable view that is, albeit full of gospel truth. But now with all my heart, I want us to look finally at the design of the Lord. We've seen the disease of leprosy. We've seen the distress of the leper. But now can I just share with you the design of the Lord? (laughs) Well, hallelujah, the design of the Lord. Number one, there's a declaration of His eternal purpose. Verse 41, I will. There is a declaration of His eternal purpose. I will. (laughs) Oh, what glorious words are these, Brother John. What glorious words are these, Brother Luke. Glorious words of these, Brother Ian. Oh, blessed, eternally blessed is the day in the life of the leper. In this day when he falls down at the feet of his sovereign and hears the king of glory say, I will. Hallelujah. Some men struggle their whole life to hear that. Some never struggle. But either way, there's that blessed declaration from the King of Glory. I will, I'm determined of myself to do it. Hallelujah. This is why he came. Because he willed to do it. Do you remember what he said to Pilate? Pilate said, are you a king? In John 18 and 37, he said, for this cause came I. I came because I willed to do it. To cleanse lepers of their disease of sin. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. This is why He came. Because He willed to do this very thing. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law. What for? To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. Hallelujah. That He might cleanse lepers. He purposed to do it. He declared His purpose in this day. He said, I will to do it. I've determined within myself to do it. Hallelujah. Thank God for it. This is why He came. This is why he came. Because he willed to do it. He came. He came. Oh, (laughs) preaching from that text in John chapter 14 where the scripture said he was made. He was made. The Lord and the angels. Oh, he was made. Dear blessed Dr. Lee, I appreciate so much Brother John giving me these books. So many books of Dr. Lee's sermons. And these other books that I feast on. Thank you, Brother. Dr. Lee preaching from that text said he came. Dr. Lee said, thank God he, he was made. He was made. That scripture says he was made. Dr. Lee said, He was made. Three words that sound forth like a sweet old organ whose full breath is thunder in the stately cathedrals of John's Gospel. 
He was made. Three words that gleam out radiantly like rare jewels in the treasure house of the book of Romans. He was made. Three words that burn their way into our attention like forest fires at midnight in the mountain ranges of the book of Hebrews. He was made. Three words that sound forth in the book of Galatians like the music of all the choirs, visible and invisible, poured forth in one royal diadem. He was made. Three words that bloom like the flowers of 10,000 springtimes in one bouquet in the fertile gardens of First and Second Corinthians. What was he made? What was he made? The scripture said he was made flesh. <laughs> because he willed to cleanse lepers. Dr. Lee said he came in human flesh. So sure was his willingness to save. We will observe the Lord's table this morning. How apt and appropriate is this consideration? Dr. Lee said he was made, he was made so human that he got tired, but so divine he was able to say, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He was made so human that he got hungry, but he was so divine he took five loaves and two fishes and fed thousands. He was made so human that he got thirsty, but he was so divine that he walked on a storm-caused sea. So divine, he said to the woman at the well, drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. Oh, he was so human that he felt the need to pray, but he was so divine that you'll scan his prayers in vain to find any confession of sin. Oh, he was so human that he had to sleep. But it was so divine, he arose from sleep and stilled a raging tempest. He was so human, he accepted a village girl's invitation to a wedding. But he was so divine that at that very wedding, he turned water into wine. He was so human, he got lonely. And pained at the slowness of human recognition. But it was so divine that he could say, The Father hath not left me alone. He was so human, he was tempted in all points like as we are. But he was so divine, he asked, Who convinceth me of sin? He was so human, he yearned for human sympathy. But he was so divine that Isaiah tells us he trod the wine press alone. He was so human he wept. But he was so divine he stood at the grave where he wept and raised the dead brother and gave him back to the empty arms and aching hearts of his sorrowing sisters. He was so human he grew in wisdom and stature. But he was so divine, he upholdeth all things by the word of his power. Hallelujah! He came! He was so human. But only, not only was he made flesh in his incomprehensible, unfathomable condes condescension, unfathomable by human reason, incomprehensible by human wisdom, he was made a curse. Oh, says Dr. Lee, Jesus, the inhabitator of eternity, was made a curse. Jesus, the teacher that was come from God, was made a curse. Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, was made a curse. Jesus, the light of light, hanging in darkness when the sun went out in noonday, was made a curse. Jesus, the poet's poet, wisdom's tongue, man's, man's greatest man, 
Miracle greater than all of his miracles was made a church. Jesus, who had the glory with the Father before the world was, giving his back to smiters, his cheeks to them that plucked off his beard and hiding not his face from shame and spitting, was made a curse. Jesus, heir of all things, fairer than the fair who filled the heavenly train, was made a curse. He who was earth's greatest blessing was made a curse. He who was never a curse to anybody was made a curse for sinners. He was the blessed Son of God made a curse to fulfill His desire to heal spiritual lepers and pronounce them clean. Hallelujah. I will. I have determined within myself. Dr. Lee said in the midst of earth's night, he came to give light. In the midst of earth's sorrows, he came to give joy. Into the midst of earth's strife, he came to give peace. In the midst of earth's death, he came to give life. He never met a blind man that he didn't give him his sight. He never met a deaf man he didn't make him hear. He never met a dumb man he didn't lose his tongue. He never met a crippled man he didn't make him walk. He never met a leper. He didn't make him whole. He never went into a sick room. He didn't heal the sick. He never met a funeral procession that he didn't break it up. He never went into a cemetery that he didn't raise the dead. He was never a curse to anybody, but he was made a curse for sinners. Well, for sinners, the curse due to us fell crushingly on him for God laid on him the iniquity of us all and for what? To cleanse lepers. Oh, I show you the declaration of his eternal purpose in this lepers, the consideration design of the Lord, but I've gone far too long. Look with me finally as we are looking at this Subject this point, the design of the Lord. Look with me in our text at this final point. It is a demonstration of His eternal power. Verse 41. He put forth His hand and touched Him. And said, I will be thou clean. And as soon as He had spoken. Immediately, the leprosy departed from him, and he was clean. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's able. His power. His power. Reading early this morning, another book Brother John gave me, John Willison. Talking about God's seasons of the ministration of His Spirit. Divine ministrations like this leper experienced that day. He said in, Willison said in the Church of Scotland, not only at her reformation from popery, but also frequently since, there have been solemn times of the outpouring of the Spirit upon the land. And several places thereof, as in the year 1596, when the General Assembly renewed the National Covenant in the Little Kirk, in a Little Kirk in Edinburgh. The Synods and Presbyterians did the same after their example. And Calderwood tells us how this practice was countenanced by God's Spirit and attended with a general melting of heart of many tears. About the year 1625, in the west of Scotland, where this persecution from prelates and their agents was hottest for the non-compliance to the Perth Articles, God was pleased to countenance and support them with an extraordinary outletting of His Spirit. This began in the parish of Stewarton, 
And hence was called by the profane of the time, the Stewartan sickness. <laughs> but afterwards, it spread through that country and was very remarkable at Irvine. We have a famous instance of that power in the solemn communion that was at the Kirk at Schatz on the 20th of June, 1630, when there was an extraordinary outpouring of the Spirit attending the work, especially the sermon on Monday, sermon on Monday, the 21st of June, by Mr. John Livingston that made a great and unusual motion among the hearers so that 500 had a discernible change wrought upon them. Again, in the year 1638, God gave a general effusion of the Spirit which roused up all ranks from their secure backslidden state and made them agree to renew the national covenant again. Then the spirits of men were greatly raised and wrought upon by the Word. The ordinances were lively and longed after. Both personal and national reformation was seriously set about and this for several years was followed with a large harvest of souls brought into Christ. Many thousands flocked to him like doves to their windows. And then there was the late persecution times under King Charles II. There were many gracious effusions with the preaching of the gospel. Oh, there were many gracious effusions with the preaching of the gospel in the field. Also add, and after the late happy revolution, the gospel was remarkably the ministration of spirit in many places in Scotland. Now surely, when we consider the days of old and the years of ancient time, we should excite ourselves to thankfulness for mercy's past and set our hope in God for mercy's future. Likewise, humble ourselves deeply before the Lord for those sins which have long made our heavens brass. Then he mentions that we have very late and well attested accounts of glorious effusions of the Spirit in several parts of America. Listen to what one wrote him a letter from America and said that their land which was formerly dry and parched, is now like a watered garden in New England. That Christ is riding in triumph by preached gospel. And the inhabitants by thousands are submitting to him. Converts are numerous like the drops of dew from the womb of the morning. Yea, the work is so inexpressibly glorious that it is impossible by words to make one who is not an eyewitness have a just conception of it. My goodness. My goodness. And only goes to describe these effusions of the Spirit. And then he says the ministration of the Spirit with a preached gospel makes a glorious dispensation. <laughs> glorious and surprising changes which makes which it makes upon the hearts and lives of men at their conversion. Oh, I'm sure this dear leper could stand up and testify. Oh, can I just testify? He'd jump up in the front row. Can I testify? Can I tell you what a glorious change it's made for me that he will to cleanse sinners. Oh, what a glorious change is the way is the way that Willison described it. When thereby the dead in sins and trespasses have been raised from the grave of corruption, made alive to God, those that were profane and vicious have changed the whole course of their lives and turned as remarkable for good as before they were for ill. <laughs> All this change hath been occasioned by the foolishness of preaching 
and sometimes by one word in a plain gospel sermon. Hallelujah. He still wills to save sinners. And sometimes by just one word in a gospel sermon, Wilson said. <laughs> oh, yes, by the foolishness of preaching. He said, sometimes by one word in a plain gospel sermon, which could not be brought about by 20 years of moral discourses. Hmm. And the most sublime streams of eloquence were no match for it. <laughs> Sometimes weak gifts have been owned and blessed when the greatest gifts have been unsuccessful. What am I saying? I'm saying there has been a demonstration in this leper's life, a demonstration of his eternal power. He can change lives. Can I just close by saying to you this morning, he has flung open the gospel door again this morning. He will be moved with compassion in the words of our text. He will, in the words of our text, put forth his hand. He will, in the words of our text, Touch the leper and he will cleanse the leper. Oh, could I encourage you this morning? Be like this leper, my sad sinner friend. Be like this leper. Be like Abraham, the father of faith, which the scripture tells us he staggered not at the promises of God. Be like Abraham. Don't stagger at the promises of God. Oh, don't stagger at the promises of God in the words of the hymn writer. Why would you tarry? And he not his warning. Why would you tarry? He's demonstrated his power. And he's opened his design, his purpose. I will. I will. The gospel door is flung open again this morning. Would you stand with me, please? Sing with me, number four hundred and twenty four. The king of heaven his table spreads. Dainties crown the board. Not paradise with all its joys could such delight afford. Ye hungry poor that long have strayed in sin's dark mazes, come. Come from your most obscure retreats. And grace shall find you room. Stand with me and sing, please. shall find you room. 
Millions of souls in glory now were fed and feasted here, and millions more still on the way around the board of Yet are his mouth and heart so large that millions more may come, nor could the whole assembled world or fill the spacious room. All things are ready, come away. Nor weak excuses frame. Come taste the dainties of the feast and bless the master's name.